I am not cloying. I am not needy. I don't care what you think. You're not getting to me. I'm not needy. Chocolate lava cake is not just undercooked chocolate cake. That's not what makes the center molten. You take a frozen cylinder of ganache and you set it in the ramekin so that as the outside cooks fully, the inside becomes molten. And you don't do anything. What do you do? You sit and you eat and you vomit those words back to make people laugh. You know how hard I work? Do you know how my whole staff works? It hurts. Yes. It hurt you. It does. It does. He was, you th he thought he was going to close his restaurant down. You're not getting to me. Okay, okay. You're not getting to me. Okay, Carl. He's not getting to me. Welcome to Is It Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith-Michaels. And I'm Mitchell Dupree. And tonight we're putting cornstarch on our huevos, watching Chef, and asking, can cooking teach us to spice up our lives? Mitch, how about the Chef synopsis? Yes, sir. Carl Casper is stuck in a rut working as an executive chef for a high-end Los Angeles restaurant. After a critic slams his food, he goes on a culinary journey to find himself and reunite his family. Well, Thanksgiving's coming up, and chef is a foodie's dream. Mm. No one ever made a grilled cheese look as delicious as John Favreau. Mm. What effect do the sumptuous cooking scenes and lively songs have on this movie? They make me aroused. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. I like that you bring up the music because like the upbeat, fun, dancey music, I feel like that makes up, I'll say about like maybe 30 to 40 percent of what makes those scenes so enticing, because I feel like yeah. if you just had those scenes with like some soft piano underneath, it would be kind of nice. But it's not just the that food looks good. It's that food looks good. And I kind of want to dance. Yeah, it's vitality. Yeah. It's life. It's sexuality yeah. soulfulness like it's that's that's what cooking oh. is cooking oh. is cooking is sexy yeah and it's it's about fun and i think that the music brings the element out in the scenes i love the cuban theme that we have running through a big portion of the movie also gary clark jr when they're in austin oh, absolutely is um, is amazing so yeah good. such a talented musician yeah for sure. I remember when I yeah. saw that scene, I was like, he's in this. I remember yeah. thinking, who is this guy? I want to be him. Well, I love how the food plays the role of the eye candy in this movie. Yeah. Whereas like, yes. you know, attractive lead actors and actresses would be the eye candy in other movies. Nah. It's the food and this it's the food in this movie. You have John Favreau. So buckle up. Yeah, right. And Scarlett <laughs> right. Johansson. And he's sweaty most of the movie. So enjoy there's, that. there's plenty of right. There's plenty of good looking actors in this movie but the food is the star yes. really yeah and the b-roll of like the the sequences of carl cooking mm -hmm. could quite possibly be my favorite part of the movie like yeah. it, it just gets me excited about cooking i love to cook it gets me excited about food um good ingredients mm -hmm. i love when he goes shopping at the market yes when i feel like if i were an actor i would like die to be on this set like, this seems like oh, yeah. the perfect, like, it's all these fun actors he like, and it feels like this, it was probably pretty, like, you know, improv heavy on the, on the set. And there's just tons yeah. of good food everywhere. And John Favreau seems like a nice laid back director. It seems like the perfect film set to be on. 
And I've often thought what it must be like to be a cameraman or something on like a cooking show, like one of Bobby Flay's shows or something like probably they're passing around food at some point. Mm. Same kind of deal. I don't know what if there's any kind of rules or anything, but same kind of deal on on the chef set. I'm guessing that, you know, because they really were cooking all these all these items. There's probably a lot of leftovers because there's multiple takes. (laughs) Definitely some good food floating around. Sure. We we are three hungry boys. When we're like, oh, I bet you there was some food on that set. I won't be on that. <laughs> Y'all think they got some sandwiches left over? It sounds like the food looks incredible in this movie. Yeah, man, you slap some butter on that bread, and you've got me. You've got me. <laughs> I'm I'm being serious. It, it's, it's well no, shot. I'm being, I'm being serious too. It's sumptuous. When he when he teaches him, this is what makes it a Cubano, and he puts the right. butter on the bread. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, that's well beautiful. Uh, flashback to the grilled cheese, real quick. He puts a lustful amount of butter on that grilled cheese. He's killing like, his that son. is the An most butter I've ever seen. Yeah, and and the cheese just oozing off. I was like, that is a sloppy sandwich. I mean, it looks amazing, but that is a very I, I messy love, sandwich. I love when the kid goes. Uh, <laughs> The kid says, Mom cuts the, cuts the crust off. He goes, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too. I laugh every time at yeah, that. I love how I unimpressed. Yes. Yeah, I love how unimpressed the kid is with all like that breakfast and just all this. It's good. Uh, all these items he's cooking. He's unimpressed. Oh, cool. Good. Well, he's the been around that his whole life. He gets, he's like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I'm like, yeah. you got the kid, man. I also love one of the things that I think is so interesting about this movie is I can watch a cooking show. I can watch like cooking on YouTube and be okay. But man, every time I watch this movie, I find myself like just starving. You know what I mean? In a way that like other cooking shows don't. And I think a lot of it is the music and they're having fun. And I mean, every dish in this movie, there's not a dish in this film that is cooked that I don't want to eat. Right. I think also the trip to New Orleans, which is somewhere yes. I've always wanted to go, never been, you know, beignets is the big, the big draw down there. That's that, my favorite scene in the movie. The New Orleans trip. Well, the yeah. scene when he goes to get beignets with his son and then afterwards he goes, so what do we have to do? And he's like, nothing. He goes, you just came to get beignets with me? And he's like, yeah, is that cool? I just, I love that. Cause I mean, realistically, there's no moment where, where Carl Casper is is gonna have like a moment with his son like I promised you right. these beignets and lo I present them to you now son yeah but now you are a man like I love that it's just like both of them like yeah I came to get beignets with you he's like and you just see his son get that little smile like really that's it we don't have to buy anything and he's like yep just want to come get some beignets with you I love that moment yeah I love that there, there's an evolution happening there yeah. and they are they're connecting Chef Casper is a visionary artist who's shackled by the whims of his employer. Is there an obvious allegory here about the frustrations of artists who feel underappreciated? I remember John Favreau saying after doing all these Iron Man movies and stuff, he wanted to do a smaller film. So I feel like if this was kind of just like him going back to basics and trying to do something just for him. Yeah, he says he has that little scene where he says, like, you put ahi tuna on a menu, everyone's going to eat it. I'm like, that's Iron Mm -hmm. Man, buddy. 
Like yeah. you, make, you make Iron Man. We're we're gonna munch it up. But this is this is yeah. what I want you to be doing. And I, I I get it's probably hard to make Chef, but I wish he would make this movie six more times and stop doing or more movies and, like this. This is yeah. my favorite John Favreau. And oh, don't, and like don't get me wrong, like I love John. I love Elf. Yeah, and I love Ahi Tuna. I like Iron Man too, but you know sometimes you want a Cubana. Mm-hmm. I think there's also probably a little bit of a correlation between chef and like artists who feel the pressures of earning a paycheck yeah. and mm-hmm. maybe would like get themselves to a place where, you know, I have to sort of support a family. I have to do whatever it takes to, you know, put uh, food on the table and keep the lights on. And mm-hmm. I think being shackled to a financial backer that is handcuffing you is one thing, but I think there is like the, the reason artists shackle themselves to those type of people is because, you know, they have to make ends meet like anyone else. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I think about that scene when uh, he says to Dustin Hoffman that he wants to try new stuff and Hoffman's like, yeah, but remember when you tried the sweet breads and nobody wanted them. So I think that there is like, if you're, if you're playing by somebody else's rules and you're trying to push the envelope in that capacity, it's not, necessarily going to work unless you kind of know how to navigate the system, which I think that that's an art in and of itself. Ryan Coogler comes to mind with like, you know, being a director who's able to kind of work in the franchise world and still have his own voice. But there's not an awful lot of those types of of filmmakers, I would say. And for some of them, it's when you see them kind of go out on their own and do things the way that they want to do it, where you're able to go, oh, that's that's you at your best. It just makes me laugh, too, because I think of like Dustin Hoffman in that scene, like all three of us do somewhat artistic jobs. And yeah. the worst thing in the world is when someone who is not artistic comes in and is like, I have ideas and they're your Can boss. You do this? So you have to be yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, what if instead of doing it the good way, you did it my way? And I'm like, uh, all right, <laughs> you write my check, you know, like, right. so it's a it's a difficult balance for sure. Do you guys feel like Dustin Hoffman's character is over the top or do you feel like he's kind of right on the nose? No, I feel like that's probably pretty accurate, especially in like your L.A.'s and your New York's and like those big restaurateurs and like owners. I feel like they probably are pretty involved in micromanaging and. Um, I feel like that's probably pretty accurate. I, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about my current job, but I've no, worked for people. I've worked for people like that in Ohio, Pennsylvania yeah. and Kansas. Like I've, I've had that experience everywhere. So, right. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, it felt like it was underplaying it to me, honestly, in some some senses. I do love the scene when Carl Casper is going off on uh, Oliver Platt and Dustin Hoffman's just there and he's like, it hurts. And you hear Dustin Hoffman go, yes, it does. And yes, just like trying to like, calm <laughs> him like, down and get him out of the room. Like, yes, he, <laughs> he understands. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's molten. <laughs> Man, he loses it. Uh-huh. It's fantastic. Yeah. It, but I love what the, the critic says later. Like this, I thought you were doing theater. Like I thought this yeah. was because that's you part started of the world with me. Livelihood. Yeah. Like that is good for business for a critic, too. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it worked for both because there, there, I was watching the movie and I'm thinking to myself, oh, if you make good product, people will come. Uh, but really, the first time he opens that truck, there's a huge line. And part of that's because he's a dang celebrity from the internet right so right. that's part of it too you know the the theater of 
of the flame war online got him his business. I do feel like there is a time and a place to be an artist, if that makes sense at all. Sure. Like maybe this isn't the best place to express yourself creatively, which is where the show goes eventually. Right. But you're never going to be happy cooking for someone else. That being said, what does Carl risk going out on his own? His legitimacy, I feel like, because like when you reach a certain level, he's like a two star chef. Right. Once you reach that certain status, like imagine like Gordon Ramsay getting a food truck. Now he's like, you know, it's not an awesome analogy, but I'm just saying like you're you're risking prestige to go out and do something that was more grungy, gorilla, kind of on your own, low status. I think he probably thinks it's beneath him. Yeah. But. I feel like I have a little bit of a hot take on this. He's already broke. Uh, He says that multiple times. I mean, yeah, he probably does have some residual like prestige with his name, but he's already like lit that on fire a little bit. Like he's (laughs) he's crazy. He's they he states at one time that no one no one's going to hire him right now. Like there's no one. There's no jobs. No one wants him. I feel like he's already hit like rock bottom in a way like. Yeah. You know, obviously rock bottom for him is still pretty cushy. I was just thinking that this is first world yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. Like I can get I, you I mean, on I mean, kitchen like, nightmares. I'm like, okay. Like in in quotations rock bottom for like a prestigious, you know, Los Angeles chef. Yeah. Like he is, you know, he's a pariah right now. I don't feel like there was a whole lot left to lose at that point. He hits rock bottom like that, and this is like a good opportunity to make a move like that. Which he may not have done if he hadn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think yeah. um, again, if we're comparing artists to the story, I think of Josh Trank, who you might not be familiar with, but he directed Chronicle, which was a movie that came out. Everyone thought it was good. It kind of gave him a little bit of wind beneath his wings, and then he went on and did Fantastic Four, the really yeah. awful one that did horribly. <laughs> but I think about a guy like that, and I'm like, well, I mean. Whatever he does next, <laughs> after you freak out and scream at the food critic online, like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with you. Like, I, I've got my eye on you. There's a certain pressure with success to keep it up. Right. Like, you know, he, he says, like, I got, you know, early good reviews. So now people are coming <sighs> after me, uh, which right. I think yeah. is, is difficult, like impossible. Maybe once you really, really fail, you're free. Right. Yeah. I feel like this is like your classic once you're kind of on top and you get comfortable with that like level of success, you don't take risks, you know, you you know, things, your decisions and choices, you know, become safe Mm -hmm. decisions and choices. And you start thinking about other things than expressing yourself and being edgy and creative. Or, Or I think I think you find a way to take risks that are a little bit lower stakes. Again, I think about. Maybe all of these shows that are going to be on Disney Plus, like the Marvel shows that were announced and the Mandalorian. I feel like those would have been a really, really big risk if you had you know, said we're doing a Mandalorian movie or a Bucky and Falcon movie. But like on TV, on like a streaming service, kind of lower stakes if you fail, you know, yeah. whatever. Similar with with the food truck, you know, like, hey, if this doesn't take off, like it's not like you've done irreparable damage to your image. So what do you want your username to be? Carl. You can't just put Carl. Well, it has to be at something. 
Now call Casper. Digging. Somebody took my name. At Chef Carl Casper. Is that cool? That's up. At Chef Carl Casper. So is this for sex? Ew. Was that what you're doing this for? No, I'm not doing it for that. Someone wrote something bad. I want to see what they wrote. So John Favreau's character is a weekend dad who's struggling to connect with his son. How does food bring his family together? I'm going to push back a little bit on this. I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to disagree with, with the question, but I think I food actually tears the family apart. Oh, boy. It's my position. I, no, no, no. I, I tend to look at social media from a pretty negative lens. I, I talk a lot about how it's ruining society and it's ruining culture and how it's horrible for everybody. But I like Yikes. that in this movie that that's kind of the thing that brings them together also like it's not just the food like i love the kid working on the truck and learning how to cook but i also love like in this scene favreau just like his willingness to learn something from his son and then like later that moment when they go how do all these people know about the truck and his son's just like i've been running our social media and it's like i just again one of my favorite moments in the movie it's so small but when they're in new orleans and he's like, did you guys see the tweet? That was my son. I, like, it's such a dad thing, but it's such a like yeah. genuine, beautiful moment. So I think it, it's not just the food, but it's also Carl learning to kind of like let his son contribute in the way that his son knows how to. Mm. I think the reason I gravitate to the food is because it is a language for Carl to speak with his son. Yes. Carl yeah. seems emotionally immature and capable of expressing himself to his kid. Uh, him teaching him to cook is a means of sharing his values with his son. Like, uh, I'm very moved by the scene where the son burns a sandwich and he says, let's just serve it. And he kind of tells him like, hey, this is something I'm good at. It's something I care about. It's something that makes people happy and brings them joy. Uh, and I want you to experience that. I don't think he would be so open with his son if not for him teaching him about the values he learned in the kitchen. And then I think about the translation, like, you know, with my dad, it was it was movies, you know, like right. he would kind of on the weekends, he would say, you know, hey, here's here's a movie that I really liked when I was your age or here's a movie that I really enjoy that I think you'll like. And we would kind of watch those together. And then as I got a little bit older, I was able to say well, okay, here's kind of like what I'm enjoying and getting into. And like now when we see each other, it's still kind of like um, something that's, it's one of the things I look forward to most every time I go to see my parents. So that, even though it wasn't cooking for me and my dad, like that rings very true for me. Yeah, like you ever have a conversation with someone when you're like texting them and you're just uh, sending gifts back and forth or memes back and forth? Yes. And you're not really having a conversation, but you're getting the emotions across. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how movie lines were for me and my dad growing up, where like we would just say a line that kind of encapsulated how we were feeling. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is a language that we that we use. So it's I, I think that's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's a male thing. Like we're conditioned to maybe not be so vulnerable or direct with our emotions. So we put some sort of filter for them so we can. Uh, still talk to each other. I had that with my mom too, but there was definitely more talking. Like she would kind of want to talk about whatever the movie was afterwards, or she would want to kind of like dive into it. Whereas like my dad and I, it was just nice. We can just watch this and we don't need to say anything. 
Yeah. Or like, and but every now and then there'd be those, like, it's not a great movie and we know it, but in the movie uh, Red, when Bruce Willis gets out of the car and starts shooting while it's spinning behind him, like in slow motion, it's that really cool shot. I remember watching that with my dad and him grabbing the remote and just rewinding it. And I was like, what? He's like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) But I I also, and Brandon, I don't want to speak for you, but I think about stories that Brandon will tell us with like his daughter where every now and then she'll be like, let's watch this or play dad, play this song or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When I see this emotionally stagnant relationship, Mm -hmm. the first thing I do is think about, well, how did it get to that point? Yeah. Because... It doesn't just happen overnight. There has to be a little bit of a journey there. And I, and I was thinking possibly, okay, maybe he was becoming successful when his kid was born. And maybe he spent all of his time in the kitchen. You know, it was like he's working hard. He's making a name for himself. His kid's growing up. He's becoming successful. And there's just no time. Like there's, you know, he's not putting the time in. Right. And I feel like that is that is something that literally could rob you of years crucial yeah yes and and like crucial formative years with your children so i think at this point he's like okay so i finally i finally have some time for my kid and this is something that now that his kid's a little older this is something that he's passionate about and it would be like the first thing that they've ever had in common you know this this could be i can show you how to do this i can teach these (laughs) tricks of the trade to you and we can have a conversation about something of substance, you know, instead of just mm-hmm. like, Hey, should I go to the movie? I'm going to drop you off. You know, like, cause it was like, it was constant. Yeah. Oh, you can't come with me here. You can't come up with me there. Yeah. I'm going to drop you off first. And I know like anytime I'm going anywhere, I want to take my kids with me. Right. Yeah. And I was really like, how did it get to this point? Cause that is like a lot of, and the, and he, the kid seems fine. Like he's like, okay, well and you could tell he's bummed, but he's yeah. like, he's a good kid. You know, he's not like, doing drugs or something because his, <laughs> his dad didn't you, spend father. time with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I really did put a lot of thought into like what it would take to actually like get to that point. You right. know, I it, think in some ways he maybe idolized his job at the sure, beginning yeah. of the sure. movie. I, I feel like it's, I keep my work life and my family life separate because work yes. is so sacred to me and it's crucial and I'm, I'm buying food. I'm, I'm working right now. This is important. But later, yeah. When, I mean, uh, his wife is offering to take the son back and saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to come out and, and get him. It becomes apparent to me that that's a common thing for them, that he is just, I think, afraid of being around his son for extended periods in general. So yeah. even when they get home, like it's it seems reflexive for him to, OK, well, that was nice, but it's over now and it's time to get back to, you know, me kind of pushing you off to mom. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like a knee jerk reaction. In some ways, their relationship reminds me of a story or a a clip I saw. Uh, If you've ever seen on The Hollywood Reporter, the talk on creativity with Jon Favreau, Donald Glover, Issa Rae, Damien Chazelle and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right at the beginning, Jon Favreau looks at Donald Glover and he said, so funny story. I actually see your face every morning when I'm waking up my son. And Donald's like, oh, because is it my because the Internet poster? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and it's funny because like my son knows you through hip hop, but I know you through like improv and comedy. And so that's like kind of like another cool thing. Like I, I think about, you know, Carl knows food as like 
you know, we present this, you eat it and it's good in the one sense, whereas his son is more like an Instagram, like food, like I know what people want to see. So they're both talking about food just on different angles and they're both correct. I liked what you said, too, about social media, too. I feel like the son is maybe more emotionally generous or willing than the father is able to be. Right. Uh, Mm Because I'm not being condemning of John Favreau's character, but he early on says, I really like what we're doing right now, right here, me showing you how to use Twitter. Like we're actually talking and we're experiencing something together. So I don't I don't think the kid actually has a huge interest in cooking. That doesn't seem apparent to me. It really is just whatever I can do to spend time with my dad. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just want to spend some time with his daddy. Which I feel like when you get to like a kid that age and he's been ignored by his father for however many years, like kids oh, lose yeah. interest, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, Carl Casper's character is incredibly fortunate that his kid still wants to spend time with him. Yeah. Like after however many years he's ignored him. I think that that's one thing that really stuck out to me is like, you have this kid in front of you who is not being coy about the fact that he wants to spend lots of time with you. Mm -hmm. And you still are like, well, I got to drop you off before I do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Right. I just feel like it it is a little bit of a, a rose colored saccharin like take on that. I feel like most kids would not, you know, be so excited to spend time with their dad, you know, after being ignored. It's so easy to get lost in our routines. What does this movie have to say about breaking out of our rut and doing what makes us happy? One thing that stands out to me is just like slow down. Take a moment to look around and see what you've become, see who's around, see who's still around you, see who still wants to spend time with you and like just take account of your life often. I feel like that's so important. People nowadays get tunnel vision and they become less self-aware and they can get lost in their circumstances. And I feel like it's really important just to slow down. Yeah, I I like what you said, Brennan, because as a guy who I have to do like a fair bit of like writing and and directing and, and stuff like that for work now, there's a lot of times when I feel like I can get very like, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? And sometimes it's, hey, why don't I go take a walk for five minutes or or something like that? And I and I think about even though they're not in a rut, I think about that scene in the movie when they're having the uh the brisket in Austin mm. and they're just mm-hmm. like taking the time to like eat to eat the beef together and they're just enjoying it and then just out of nowhere someone says we should do sliders hawaiian bread little pickle boom like life can inspire you if you take a moment to let it in the kid says that. i love that it's the i love that it's the kid's idea too that's awesome Mm -hmm. he's kind of a part of the group now you know he's Mm -hmm. he's tossing out ideas which and also like look i'm not gonna lie like some brisket on a hawaiian bread roll with a little pickle Oh, I'm down. Yeah, I'm so yeah. down. A little uh-huh. little dab of blood and fire <laughs> hot sauce. Mm. Mm. Let's go. I do I, love how the menu changes as they cross the country, like to fit local, yeah, to fit local cuisines. Awesome, such a good, well, such a good take. Market. You you see stuff and you get inspired. That's how it works. Yes. So you see what you're yes. going to cook with when you go shop. That's not how I do any of my cooking or shopping, but I know how to make four meals. So my my roommate <laughs> my roommate is a is a chef, 
And whenever we go grocery shopping, like we went to a big grocery store the other day and he was just like, I'm too overwhelmed to buy groceries because there's so many options. <laughs> like, I wish I had that problem. Me. Yeah, that has never happened to me. Yeah, I just <laughs> I go buy my raw chicken and my rice and I'm out of there. I buy it all and then I let it go bad. The other thing I wanted to say about the idea of ruts is I do feel like this is kind of I'm not I don't want to default to just like first wor- world problems or anything, but like it is a luxury to be asking these questions. Like right. I, yeah. I I have lots of friends who like their parents, they put food on the table and that's what they were right. able to do. Right. Like they were working minimum wage jobs and it's difficult to you know, have these these moments with their parents because, you know, they, they were working and it's different for them. I'm not saying it's a question that only affects a certain economic <laughs> class, but the extent that we're asking it of, you know, he has the luxury of of choosing his career, of saying, eh, I'm going to do this now. And he gets financial backing and he's able to kind of mend his schedule and do whatever he wants. He has that luxury. So, mm-hmm. right. Have uh, you all seen his apartment? I mean, he, he's OK. Yeah, he says like it's a crappy apartment, and I'm like, oh, no, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I would move in there in a heartbeat and eat your grilled cheese. Come to Hawthorne. <laughs> for real though, I do also feel like for some people, happiness is a choice, and it is a choice that can be scary. It can be scary to choose happiness. Um, I feel like sometimes it's easier to be kind of morose in your current circumstances and. Mm. You know, I, I do realize mental illness is a is a huge thing that affects lots of people in our, you know, in our culture and society. And, you know, barring anything like that, that is happiness can be chosen. And I, I do I feel like he is someone who does have the circumstances and the opportunities to do what he wants. Yeah. You're saying he gets in his own way. That's not something that's afforded to everyone. Yes. For him. He is able to choose, you know, to choose these things to to be happy and to do what he wants. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's not just his son who is incredibly vulnerable and open. His wife, too, is his ex-wife is like doing everything in her power to show him love and kind of get him back on his feet and get him back to where he's supposed to be. That is rare. Right. Also. I feel as though we would be remiss not to mention John Leguizamo in this movie, because usually when he Mm. shows like I thought he was going to be the deal breaker when I saw that he was in this. I thought, ooh, maybe this won't be so good. But I love that. Like he just shows up at his food truck and he goes, I heard your your voice on the phone and I just wanted to be there. Like I I relate to that. That is one of the best best parts of the movie for me. Loyalty is something that mm-hmm. is invaluable. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he drops everything, gets on a plane and, and flies down there. And it's like the best surprise in the world. Yeah. Carl's clearly in over his head. Uh-huh. I have no idea what I'm doing Just here. I have this Spanish. sloppy truck. <laughs> yeah, Ex- exactly. <laughs> he brings the passion too. he's encapsulating. Yes. What we're talking about, you know, right. that's what I want to do. So I did it. I made a choice. Eager to please. Ten episodes ago, I had the good fortune to listen to Is It Really's revelatory episode on Catch Me If You Can. The sheer audacity of Zach's fresh, brave Christopher Walken impression reminded me why I write about podcasts as a vocation. It is nearly impossible to separate my glowing regard for the real boys and how much they inspired me from my expectations as I sat down to listen to this episode on Jon Favreau's Chef. Oh, how times have changed. 
Over the last few months, these superfans have somehow managed to transform themselves to giggling schoolboys who like to make jokes about lustful amounts of butter and sloppy sandwiches. Their signature closing is a lazy spoof of a scene in the movie, a poor excuse to keep us listening long enough to ask us to like and subscribe. They can be best summed up by their somewhat trite observation regarding Chef Carl that emotionally stagnant relationships don't happen overnight. Perhaps like Chef Carl, they too need to hit rock bottom to muster up the courage to start making moves. Two stars. We've been wanting to talk to this reviewer for a long time. We're not cloying. We are not needy. We don't care what you think. You're not getting to us. We're not needy. Zach, please. Food helps Chef Carl bond with his kid because he's sharing his passion. He connects and teaches values through this thing he cares about. That's what we're doing with each other through movies. And closings are not just spoofs of a scene in the movie we're discussing. That's not what makes it a closing. We take the frame of a scene to insert observations made about the movie during our discussion. That's what makes it a closing. You see? It's a closing, you jerk! Carl Casper is lucky his kid still wants to spend quality time with him. And we know how lucky we are. People listen all the way through these ridiculous closings we do. And you don't do anything. What do you do? You, you sit and you listen and you vomit those words back to make people laugh? You know how hard we work for this? Well, not that hard, but still, it, it hurts. Yes, it does. We were just saying Chef reminds us to slow down, watch out for tunnel vision, and take account of your life. And what do you do? You, you just write that stuff to make people laugh? You just make stuff up. This was a closing. Chef reminds us life can inspire you if you take a moment to let it. We were inspired by the movie to do this scene. It's a closing, jerk. You're not getting to me. You're not getting to me. <laughs> So the rat loves food and rat and rats aren't allowed in the kitchen. This is a culture with talking rats. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we're doing real well. That's going to do it for our episode on John Favreau's masterpiece, Chef. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear your opinion on our episode or any other movie-related topic. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a little spare time and you like what you hear, we would love it if you would take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We appreciate your support. Well, next week, we are kicking off the Christmas season with another John Favreau classic, Elf. We'll see you then. This is Brandon Sharp wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.